hello, hello, everybody. It is the Daily News. My name is Marshall Ferguson. That is Mike Daly on the other side of the Zoom. Introducing the new generation of electronic whistles brought to you by Fox 40. The new rechargeable Fox 40 electronic whistle produces 120 decibels of software-defined sound power. I wish they could just play like, you could program it so you could press. This might be a thing that Fox 40 is doing and I don't even know. But where I could just have like Mike Daly being like, ah! If I were to press it, just just 120 <laughs> decibels of Mike Daly just yelling at me. There's no different type of whistles going. Every each ref gets to pick their own. Just their so own you know their own voice being like, stop. Uh, but with the push of a button, pre-order yours today. Fox40shop.com is where you can go uh, to get all of your Fox 40 needs as we are past the one-third mark. We are past week seven of the Canadian Football League season in 2022. Mike Daly, what say you? I mean, this is kind of where it gets exciting, right? Because you kind of see how every team's falling into place. But I do understand that. So we're recording this on Friday after the Ticats Montreal game, mm-hmm. um, which was an awesome game. I mean, there's been some there's been some really good games this year. I mean, everything down to like the last, you know, three, two final play. There's been yeah. a lot of games on the final play, but I understand you were there yeah. as a fan. Well, which not as, I mean, come on, not as, not as a fan. Uh, <laughs> I was. It was funny. I was sitting with the first half. I, I got something I like to do that I'm probably a huge weirdo for. But my job. I hope people understand this. Like my job is to be in the booth and to be, you know, analyzing everything and breaking it all down. And but at my core, I just like football. Like I love playing football. I love watching football on television. I love watching football live. So sometimes I just like to go and turn my brain off because when I'm in the booth, I call it fighter pilot mode, where I'm in the booth and I absolutely have to go, okay, it's, you know, Dwayne's talking, but I got to know what's coming back here. And then we're going to go to a graphic package. And then when we come back from that, we got to get a stat line in. And then I got to make sure, where's that thing that I had written down that I wanted to use for Dane Evans. And then, and it's like, that's my mind for four hours, right? After doing, after doing like 10 hours of prep for four hours, I'm like, and it's just nice to go to a game sometimes and sit back and be like, I wonder why they're doing that. <laughs> like, <laughs> but do you find, cause like I, maybe, you know, your world and my world's a little different because anytime I go to the game, I, I feel like I'm analyzing it. Like I'm a coach, you right. know what I mean? Like I, I can't really just go to a game and be like tied up into everything. Like, you know, big plays happen. And I'm just kind of like, Oh, that was kind of cool. Oh, they did that. But yeah. I'm never like a, yeah. Or, or, Oh, that kind of stuff. So the reason that I bring it up is because like, I am the same, like I can't shut my brain off completely, but it's just a different way of looking at the game that I find to be more relaxing. Not that I don't love what I do. It's just, it's a nice change of pace for me. That yeah. really does. It, it almost like recharges my batteries of why I love the CFL when I just go and enjoy a game like that. So the first half I'm sitting by myself and, uh, and then the second half, I had a group of friends that I know that uh, that live around where I do. And they said, hey, why don't you come over and sit with us? So I went and sat with them. And it was when you say like, oh, you were there as a fan. This is why I bring this up. When Stephen Dunbar Jr. takes the quick screen, mm. turns, it, turns it up field and goes and takes it to the house last night, everybody stands up and is cheering and screaming around me. And I'm, I literally am sitting there and I'm just like, oh man they went empty three by three damn like <laughs> that's the first time they've run that in in the whole game and like man dunbar's got a couple of those this year because i've studied his his chart before i came down to the game and so i'm like thinking it through and one of my friends turned around to me and he's like hey like you don't get excited by that stuff i was like oh con- contractually i'm not allowed to stand up 
I'm sorry. Contractually. <laughs> They're probably looking at you like, oh my God. <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> I'm watching a game with this guy. What a, what this guy stinks. <laughs> terrible life to live if you're contractually not allowed <laughs> to stand up. But but, it, but it's honest, like I the only time that that I got excited in like a visceral way where I like I yelled in the stands as a fan would was not for or against anything. It was uh in the first half. Montreal broke the huddle with Gino Lewis as like a stand-up tight end uh, yeah. to the boundary. It was like four by one. He was a stand-up tight end. And <laughs> I'm watching, and again, this is how your brain works the same as mine. I'm watching him like, they don't do that real often. What are they doing? Yeah. And, and he's like, you know, at the snap, of course, it's play action, cross face for Trevor Harris. And then Gino is running straight to the flats to the field and they're blocking downfield and the pass is completed behind the line of scrimmage and on and on. And so when I'm sitting with my friends in the second half, they break the huddle on like the 15, 20 yard line. And I see Gino go line up as a stand up tight end into the boundary. I tap my wife around. I'm like, yo, they ran this in the first half. He's just going to run to the flats. They're going to block downfield and complete this behind the line of scrimmage. And, and sure enough, that was the play they ran. And they ran looks, it again. Yeah. Oh. They ran the same play, but they went back to it because it worked so well the first time, obviously. Yeah. And like that, you know, they had kind of scripted it out. So AC was like, Hey, it worked the first time. Let's go back to it. We'll get the same look. But the reason that I screamed, was that Cariel Brooks, who was unbelievable, unbelievable. last night yeah. in, the, in the second half, especially yeah. like there was a chunk in that fourth quarter where he had like three knockdowns and three plays. Yeah. And, but this play that he made that made me like go, ah, and like jump up out of my seat was because he ran from the backside, the boundary, right. Where Gino was, he recognized where it was and he decided I am going to take off and run through all of the traffic, all of the linebackers, all of the receivers trying to get a rub down the field. And he ran through it all, and he almost picked off the damn thing on the field side. And that is a play that the last time I saw made by a Ticats corner or half, not including free safety, because Mike Daly made that play all the time. Uh, but the last time <laughs> I saw that type of play made, I think was Delvin Bro against Winnipeg early in like 2018. Yeah, where he I know ran, exactly what you're talking about. He ran through absolutely everything and tracked down. Mm -hmm. I forget who it was for Winnipeg, but tracked him down. And I just went, that dude just ran like 50 yards cross field to go make a tackle for loss. So anyways, th that's what I get out of going and being in the stands and enjoying the game like that is I just, you see that stuff and you're like, these guys are so bleeping unbelievable sometimes when they make those plays. Well, but the thing is, too, is I, the first thing my mind went to is, okay, Gina Lewis lines up as a tight end again. So they ran that screen the first time, worked well. Right. My first thing is, okay, if they line up like that again, what are they going to do off of that? Right. Because every single coach is like, okay, listen, we got this screen. It's going to work really well. And then we're going to line up again everybody's going to think we're going to run the same thing. So then we'll run, you know, Gino will run a corner to his side and then we'll run like, you know, we'll take it back to the boundary side, whatever it might be. So I'm sitting there, I think, cause I guarantee this is what Brooks said. He goes, Oh, okay. Here's this formation again. It worked last time. Here's Gino Lewis. If he starts going to the field, I know exactly what the play is. I'm going to get it. And he probably already talked to roll was like, roll. Listen, if he goes across, I'll take him. I'm in a better position for that. I'm sure Roll was like a low flats defender. I know he blitzed earlier in the game yeah. on one of those. Um, but is that is that an auto? Is that an auto fire where like they're four by one and they're like, hey, Cariel, you can just handle Gino and we'll just fire Roll off the backside. Well, so it all depends. Like if he's man to man, I wouldn't say it's auto. I think it's auto depending on the play. So if it's like, okay, okay Roll, you're a low zone player, and Brooks has you over top. 
if he gets in any tight split, a corner blitzing is, whoa, what the heck's going on? You know what I mean? It catches everybody off guard. So yeah. if he's a low defender and he has help over top with Brooks sitting there, right. then yeah, I'm sure he's just like, hey, I'll go. Like, I'm sure that was on the on the field. Hey, I'll go. Or it was like in one of those huddles on the sideline in between, you know, the first and second quarter. Be like, hey, if he gets into this tight split again, I'll go. You got my back. Yeah, I got your back. And then, that's that's okay, freaking cool, man. Like I, and the reason I love that, and the reason I think that's so cool, is that like people I don't think realize, it, and from my perspective, like everything I ever did on the football field was so structured. There was never any, and it, part of it was that I, I was a robot. Like I literally had a conversation with my offensive coordinator, John Behe at Mac one time where he was like, please stop being a robot. You're allowed to like change things at the line. You're allowed. To, and I was like, no, 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 this is how it's done because that's just how my mind worked. I didn't have that creativity and imagination to just like flow with the game and figure it out. So I love when guys in the moment, like the old Clay Matthews clip where he's like, uh, oh, yeah. I've seen it. this on film. Spill it, pick it, spill it. Like that's in the Super Bowl where he's just saying, spill it, slash to the inside. Like I'll deal with it. And he, they're just making it up on the fly because they recognize what's coming. I love that because the freewheeling playmaking ability of those guys to recognize and to be playing fast, like to yeah. recognize that stuff on the fly and realize that you're not being completely irresponsible. Because if I'm playing Madden and I go to blitz the corner, I'm terrified I'm going to get beat over the top and I'm just holding a controller. I'm not playing in a professional football <laughs> game. So to do that in real life, I find that amazing. Yeah. And it's funny too, because you know, the best coaches I've ever had or, or even the best teammates I've ever had are able to say, okay, how do we want to, for instance, the best, best way I can describe this is in man to man, the switches of receivers. There's a lot of people that can talk about it can explain ways to do a switch. So, you know, if one receiver picks the other guy, how to pass them off, if they're close, if they're not, but it all depends on who's out there. So I know when I played with Brooks, Brooks and I could switch everything, hmm. right? It could be down the field. It could be right at the line of scrimmage, uh, whatever it might be. Play with a guy like Delvin bro. He's like, mm -mm, I got this guy. I'm going to lock him down. That's the guy I got. Don't worry, run around me. So the best times I've had or the best coaches I've had that work really well are the ones that on the fly know each other and can work well with each other and just kind of like, you know, second quarter, okay, listen, we're not going to switch this yeah. time. They keep running this. We're just not going to switch. Nobody else knows that. Me and you know that. We're just going to do that. And those are the best type of plays that end up happening because all the coaches are saying, oh, guess what? We got them. They're going to switch every single time. We've seen it on film. We've seen it in the first quarter. They're going to switch every time. And then all of a sudden two players go over and say, hey, we're not going to switch. Boom, pick, something happens, right? But those are kind of the coolest plays because as soon as it happens, nobody else knows except for you you and the other guy you were talking with. Yeah. It's like, well, shit, nice, nice. <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. Well, there was even – I forget what it was last night. There was some random play where it was zone and I feel like roll like – was up at the line of scrimmage and then he kind of released and it was almost like a little cut, but he didn't really carry kind of thing. And, and receiver just kind of like widened and then slanted inside. And it was a super easy completion for Trevor Harris in between the zones. And as soon as the completion was made, I was like, oh, in my mind, in my mind really quickly, I went, I wonder wh whose fault that was. And immediately you could just see like Tunde, Carriel and Jamal all look at each other and just, they were like, 
yo, we that we can't have that happen again. They're like right. they were just they were just looking at each other like we have, we got to handle that better. What what are we gonna do? Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which I thought was exactly. great. But the um, and those are the conversations. As soon as that happens, it'll go over, and then okay, if we get that again, you take it. And, I, yeah. I, and you don't know what's gonna end up happening, but within the structure. But listen, I do want to bring one thing well, up be- because- before we move, before we move on. I just want to say such a funny copycat league thing that I noticed last night. Cause we were talking about Gino in that tight end set and the, in the tendencies, you know, we're going to work this off of this at one point, Hamilton broke the huddle in like a quads diamond that yeah. was like this bunch out by the sideline. And because I called Ottawa Montreal last week, I was like, Oh, this is the play that Ottawa ran twice against Montreal. The one time they got Darwin Adams down the sideline free, or maybe it was Ackland down the sideline free. Uh, and the second time, they you know they showed the same thing and then they just threw it underneath on a screen hamilton broke the huddle and i immediately i'm like oh they i'm like they're just doing the ottawa thing because it worked for ottawa last week and it was such bs by condell because he showed it and then he just ran inside zone (laughs) (laughs) like like he literally had no interest in running that formation whatsoever he but he just trotted out that formation to make montreal be like oh guys this thing that beat us last week it's and then he was like i'm just kidding hand off (laughs) yeah and and, and sometimes I might even just be the receivers. If they know it's inside zone and it's not a pull read or a yeah. throw read, they might just be like, ah, let's mess with them a little bit. And switch. <sighs> One thing I did see Montreal do, which, uh, you know, some teams have done in the past, but it's kind of gone away, is they would take out their two fullbacks and line them up out wide. Mm-hmm. And then they did it with Tyson Philpott a couple times. No, they kept them out there. Oh, okay. And they would throw screens. So now their, their idea of it, we've got two fullbacks on a corner and a half. And was then that, get was it that to a empty? receiver. Like, was that when they were basically going empty and they would use the fullbacks as the lead blockers on quick screens? Yeah, that's exactly yeah. it. They would have, uh, I think they had Norman and Sibasu, the two fullbacks out there. No, there was the play, like, the play on special teams that Carol Brooks took the holding call against Sibasu. I was watching them battle on, I think it was a field goal attempt that, that yeah, missed. And uh, <laughs> for lack of a better term, like Sibasu is a big dude. Like, yeah. He's a large human being. And Cario Brooks beat the shit out of him for like 10 <laughs> seconds. And I was just watching it. And I'm like, oh my God, that 26 is a dog. I'm like, he is he is fighting and talking smack to this Montreal monster in Sibasu. And uh, but yeah, he, it was interesting to see how much he was getting used last night because there's been a couple of injuries around the league to different fullbacks, and you're seeing different guys get opportunities. And as different guys get opportunities, the playbook shifts because every player has a different skill set. So Sibasu is one of those interesting ones where it's like, yeah, he can catch the ball so you can line him out wide, uh, and he's actually a threat, but he's also a massive body that you can block downfield on those quick screens with, to your point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, it's... It's interesting the route Montreal is going too, because with Montreal now, you know, Trevor Harris, they played okay on offense. I would say just okay. I think Hamilton's defense really helped them out a ton that game. Um, But I mean, former, former guest of the show VA Mm -hmm. is now put on one game. Yeah. Right. And usually when it's one game, I don't know. I, I honestly don't have any inside information. I'm not sure. But usually when it's a one game, that's kind of like, a, hey, we're going with the other guy. You just sit there and help out. You're not actually injured. We're just going to keep paying you because, you know, we promised we'd pay and you're already this far. And Right. But it's like, a, hey, this is now truly the moving of the tide for Montreal. You know what I mean? It's I putting him like, on the one game and Trevor uh, yeah. Harris, here you go. I feel like I have no choice at this point 
other than to do the Brian Windhorst when he was talking about the Utah Jazz on on ESPN. Just the now, why when you start the year as the starting quarterback in Montreal, would you get benched before there's a coaching change when the general manager is coming down and inevitably going to switch quarterbacks? Why would they do that? Why when Chris Jones, who has acquired Vernon Adams Jr. before, (laughs) and it looks as though Trey Ford might be more injured than we realize, and Kai Loxley got banged up in their last game, who's kind of their athletic package quarterback, why would would he be so silent on on wanting to acquire a quarterback with an athletic skill set? Yeah. Why... (laughs) Why would the Elks coming out of a bye week maybe ask the Montreal Alouettes to put Vernon Adams Jr. on the one game to protect his health before Edmonton comes out of their bye week and starts to get ready for a game with Taylor Cornelius as the starter, but perhaps an open spot available should they decide to put their athletic package back in with a guy who understands Stephen McAdoo and Chris Jones. Why would they do that? <laughs> it's like why it, it's so much collusion going on around this league. Well, and the funny thing was, like, I, I had no idea the picture of Victor Kui and, uh, and Gary Stern uh, that apparently was like, I, I consider myself to be fairly online. I see a lot of the stuff that happens around the CFL. I feel like I'm aware and I had somebody last night at the game say, did you not see that picture? And again, I'm just coming at this. I still, haven't, I still haven't seen the picture. I'm coming at this from the perspective of like, um, <laughs> I had somebody at the game tell me about this picture last night. Apparently there was a picture of Victor and Gary like doing like the predator, like just- Best buddies. Yeah, the, the bicep flex the, shot. Uh, the Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, Carl Weathers. <laughs> um, and- uh, and apparently there was a piece of paper on the table that was like Baron Miles salary dispersal, which apparently he signed on with Edmonton to contribute to them now after Kahari, which, oh, by the way, oh. uh, fun side note on this. Congrats to Kahari for beating the Montreal Alouettes. Also, yeah. he, he was staying in the same hotel as the Alouettes. Come on. <laughs> really? I found that out yesterday. Yeah. There, oh, that's, somebody that's came, awesome. Somebody just came out to me and they're like, hey. Kahari and Matt Schiltz are, are at a hotel and uh, in the Hamilton area, and it's the same one the Alouette stayed in. So, like, the team literally checked in, and their old head coach was just like in the lobby, apparently. Oh, was man. Like, that, hey guys, how you doing? That's the it's, weirdest thing. And I'm like sure Kahari was, doesn't give a damn because that stuff happens, but it's like um, the weird ex girlfriend that keeps showing up at all the parties that you're going to. <laughs> well, it's going to keep showing up because you're in the East yeah. Division. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, the, uh, the whole idea of. Of basically, what was I saying before Kahari? I got distracted by it. Oh, yeah. Um, the Gary Stern and Victor Quee thing. When yeah. apparently there was a piece of paper on the table that was like Baron Miles salary dispersion, you know, marketing ideas and blah, blah, blah. And then on the piece of paper, there was just VA. <laughs> and, <laughs> and that was um, the other rumor that I had heard last night was that the only reason that V because th- this has lingered for a while, right, Mike, like we can agree, like it's been pretty obvious that they're going to go yeah. with Trevor for a little while here. The yeah. only reason that VA apparently, and again, this is not from VA. I talked to him on the field, but we didn't talk about this stuff. Cause I wasn't going to be like, Hey, you getting traded when he's, he's like, right. he's not happy. He's it's not a, flying. I'm not going to rub no. it in. So such a, it's a, it's a terrible, 
even though, you know, some people would be like, oh, it's good. He's going to get out of there and get an opportunity somewhere else, maybe right. all that kind of stuff. It's a, such a shitty situation to be in because yeah, you're just course. sitting there. You're like, man, I got, I've worked so hard to try to lead this team and did so well last year, all that kind of stuff. So, right. Yeah. It's, it's so, a terrible situation. So the, the note that I had heard last night uh, at field level before the game was that there was supposed to be uh, a deal of Arbuckle uh, straight up for VA, which totally makes sense. This is before this is before Arbuckle, Arbuckle got moved. Yes. Yeah. There was supposed it was supposed to be like one for one quarterback for quarterback Vernon Adams Jr. for Nick Arbuckle, which stylistically makes a, a, an incredible amount of sense because when I broke down Nick Arbuckle's tendencies and targets and all of that after his Calgary year, when everybody was all hot to trot on him and Ottawa wanted yeah, to go yeah. and get him the first time, he profiled as Trevor Harris. Like in gotcha. that Calgary offense, he was Trevor Harris. Like so, when I thought, when I thought, oh wow, okay, that that makes a lot of sense for them to go, and Da gets a fresh start in Edmonton and all the rest. But as has happened with Sean Burke going to Ottawa instead of Edmonton, as has happened with um, a variety of free agents like Jeremiah Masoli going to Ottawa, not Edmonton. Ottawa once again swooped in and got the job done. It seems like before Edmonton could close the deal, where mm. uh, they essentially said, "Like, hey, we're we're going to go out and get this," and and so Arbuckle's now with Ottawa. Which, by the way, I I interviewed him ahead of the Ottawa Montreal game, and he he'll never say it, but I hope that people in Ottawa give that guy all of the patience in the world, especially if he plays, like maybe even this Sunday against Toronto, or maybe next week or whatever. Because he is, he'll never say it as I say, but I could tell from talking to him, Arbuckle is emotionally exhausted. Oh, I believe it, man. Like, yeah. Because he gets, he gets starts there, right? All of a sudden gets, you know, sorry, not the guy anymore. And then Trey gets hurt. He goes back in, doesn't play well because, you know, when you get pulled and now you got to go back in and, and play at the top of your game when you've had no prep, you're pretty much like, Oh, the week before I'm forgotten about, maybe I'll get moved, blah, blah, blah. Oh, get thrown in, play not great, right? Now he's going to get moved. But it's such a big thing. You see it all the time with these quarterbacks. It's it's all about the offensive coordinator. It's all about the structure of the offense fitting that quarterback. Because like you said, Arbuckle in Calgary, and it's kind of like the Jake Mayer situation too, where it's like, why is every guy that's behind Bo Levi Mitchell when they come in and they play, play lights out, and everyone around the league's like, "Oh my god, I need that guy! I need Dickie, that guy!" Dickie's a hell of a coach. Like, and that's what it is. Though. Their system is ironclad, and you bring in somebody who is smart and accurate, and you can turn them into, in the eyes of other teams, a starting quarterback. And I'm not saying that can't be. I'm not saying that Jake Mayer can't be. But what I am saying is, in that system, in that setup, you're going to have a lot of success. And, and that's why they've been able to, to pump some of those guys out. But anyways, I, I just want to tie a bow on the thought of like, you know, Ottawa jumped in and, and scooped Montreal essentially by being able to get Arbuckle before that deal could get completed. And that's why it seems like this has lingered longer than it probably should have. With that mm-hmm. being said, I would have a very hard time imagining after he was on the one game last night, um, him not being on Edmonton's practice field coming up this week. And I don't know how soon that would happen, whether that's like deal gets done over this weekend, deal gets done on Monday, like whatever. But it, it seems like it's an inevitability. 
at this point. And the thing that I did say to VA last night at field level that I feel comfortable telling everybody is that like, I just told him I was proud of him for the amount of maturity that he's handled it with, because I said, dude, you early in your career, you would have just gone ballistic. It feels like, because you probably didn't have the maturity to realize the business that this is kind of thing. And he goes, dude, people, when I got benched, he said in the locker room, people thought I was going to go Antonio Brown and just like take off my Jersey on the field and throw up the deuces and run to the tunnel. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, but like, I, I'm not saying that you would have done that, but that would have been my fear because you're too good of a player you're too entertaining of a player, which I, I just need to say this too. This is the thing that I think really drives me crazy is that Gary Stern, the owner in Montreal, it, it appears people got in his ear, whether it be Machocha otherwise saying, Hey, this is the best move for our football franchise. Let's get rid of Baron miles, bring in Noel Thorpe, get rid of Kari Jones, bring in Danny Machocha himself to be the head coach. Let's get Trevor in there. He's more consistent. He's safer. He's blah, blah, blah. Gary Stern is on Twitter every single day talking about, I want exciting. I want entertainment. I want to bring fans to the stands. Why can't we sell out the games in Montreal? I love this city. I love this league. <laughs> if somebody was being honest with him and got in his ear, they would have said, Hey man, you might not win every game, but you're going to have a hell of a lot more people in your stadium and a hell of a lot more fun in Montreal. If Vernon Adams Jr. And Kahari Jones are your head coach and quarterback combo. And I, it's unbelievable to me that for somebody who's trying to market the league in the game and exciting and all this that nobody got in his ear and they're like, Hey, um, you BA's, have the most exciting player on your roster right now. He is <laughs> one of the most exciting players in this league for better or worse at times, but he is the most, ex one of the most exciting players in the league. Yeah. And they were like, mm, you know what? We actually want to go 25 of 40 every game for, uh, you know, 220 yards and one touchdown. It's like, man, it like, anyways, I find that to be a little bit crazy, but. Yeah, and, and listen, I, I like when Trevor Harris is on, I like his game. Like, it's yep. quick. It's hard to deal with. It, they're getting it out. And, you know, the teams that want to sit in zone, it just doesn't work. And Trevor Harris just can pick them apart. Now, the problem sure. is, is I I need I want to see – V. there's too many teams around the league right now that need a quarterback, right? That VA can't go and help out. And like you said, Edmonton is number one. Ottawa's in that same situation, but again, they just got Nick, but yeah, it, it's you're behind the eight ball as a quarterback in certain on certain teams in this league. When you go to certain teams in this league, especially as you know, somebody just coming in and, and the situation VA is going to be in is going to be tough coming in, learning a, a completely new offense and then probably going out there and being expected to play well. But you're just behind the eight ball in certain positions. And then other places, like we were just talking about with Calgary, right? It, you're you're in a golden spot because they're going to teach you how to play the game properly. It's, and then the other thing, too, when you – I feel like there's not many offensive coordinators that will look at a player like VA and say, okay, how can I maximize his potential? What can I do in this offensive playbook? to say, okay, he's, he can outrun anybody. He, you know, he can make anybody miss in the open field and he can get the ball down the field. Right. What can I do to change this? Cause every offensive coordinator is like, okay, we need time, time here. <laughs> boom, boom, boom. If not check it down. And I get it. That's what wins games. That's what gets people into the hall of fame, all that kind of stuff. Right. Like the Ricky Ray type thing, mm -hmm. but they're, look at what they're doing with Matthew Schiltz in Hamilton. Right. And now they're kind of bleeding that into Dane and, and they're running them both. And Matthew Schiltz right now is one of the most effective. I don't even want to say quarterbacks at this time. I want to say 
offensive weapons that are running the ball. He'll break off with the quarterback run. You got to understand it is one of the hardest plays to defend as a defense because you always have your safety. That's that extra guy. Yeah. Right. As soon as the quarterback's going to run the ball, you now need to include that safety into the box, which then, you know, doesn't give the other DBs help over the top, whatever it might be. There's different ways you can do it, but that just adds an extra guy. So to be able to sit there and go, okay, Vernon Adams, we need to find a coach or somebody needs to say, okay, this is how we're going to do it. We're going to get some designed runs for him. We're going to get some design, whatever it might be. I don't want to say rollouts because, you know, that's just the simple way to say, oh, we have a running quarterback. Let's roll him out. It's the easiest play to defend a rollout. Yeah. Um, but just certain things like the Matthew Schiltz thing that Tommy Condell is doing because those type of plays are, are really what's winning the tie cats these games right now. And right. so, the, yeah, and I agree. And it's been fun to see Schultz, although I will say the split of Schultz and Evans and how they're being used and like, I could never get into rhythm as a quarterback if I was going up and down and up and down and up and down and up and down yeah. and up and down for four quarters. And I know that they're being good soldiers about it and they like each other and whatever, but I'm like, I don't think that that is how you will win games down the stretch. And it's maybe it's just to get them through for a while, but that's, it, that's, damn near impossible to get into a flow of the game as at quarterback when you're having that happen so especially for the length that each of them are coming in at right like Schultz will come in at, and it'll be like two drives in a row well, there was a great like, moment last night like in the in the stadium again live where they did that two quarterback stuff where they're both on the field and yeah. then and then they were going to go back to the one quarterback the normal you know five receivers one running back and take the second quarterback out of the game and as I'm sitting with my, my, my friends, I'm like, oh, they're going to go back to the one quarterback. But then Dane and Schultz were standing like 20 yards off the sideline, looking at the bench and doing the Spider-Man, Spider-Man meme. They were like, who, yeah, who's which, in? Which, what, we're going to go one quarter, but which, which one of us do you want to be on yeah. the, and it was just like, oh my God, I can't believe they don't know who the guy is that's supposed to stay on the field. That's so strange to me because usually it's like, this is how we're going to handle this. We're going to go do, 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 do in our sub packages. And it just wasn't really the case, but um but yeah, it's, I think the, the big picture takeaway outside of, you know, Trevor getting taken out of the game by the injury spotter last night, which I know people were all hot and bothered by, or like Hamilton letting a team come back into the game or, uh, you know, Gino Lewis being a freak, uh, which I, <laughs> yeah. I was saying late in the fourth quarter that they were going to run that scissors concept that he scored on last year uh, mm-hmm. against you guys down at the goal line. I'm like, oh man, if they're watching the film, maybe they go to that. But Hamilton was playing so safe. There would have been no way to fit that in, I don't think. But um my takeaway from that game last night, and this was my my overarching thought as I was exiting Tim Hortons Field, and I looked up and I saw total yards, almost the exact same. Uh, you know, penalties, almost the exact same. Uh, first downs, it was like 18 to 17. Uh, passing yards, it was like, and I'm, I looked at it and I tapped one of my friends on the shoulder who's a Ticat season ticket holder because we were laughing about the fact that Toronto and Hamilton play four of the next five weeks now. And, and I said, uh, I was like, hey, your existence for the next five weeks is that where everything is the exact same between both teams for four full quarters for five straight weeks. And the thing that's going to determine playoff seeding in the East division is who makes the final play. I'm like, yeah. cause everything is, these teams are so even there are going to be so many close games over the next little while. And it's just going to come down to, does Cam Kelly get the interception at the end or does Geno Lewis make a freaky catch in the end zone? It's like, yeah. that's, that's going to determine games over there. So it's exciting 
but it's just I really don't think we're going to see more than like a 10 point spread in any of these games for Hamilton, Montreal, Toronto in the next little while. No. And you look at it too. Like I think Hamilton had, had an unbelievable amount of sacks, five, six sacks. Yeah. And they came right? in with 10 for the whole year. They were last in the league going into last night. Yeah. So when you put that into perspective, but then Montreal probably won the special teams battle last night with, with right. Chandler worthy, like it, you're exactly right. It's going to be Okay which way do these things play out like next game if they play Montreal right or even Toronto's the same who's gonna who's gonna edge out on it's gonna be something weird like so I'll I'll give attribute it to the sacks mm. last game right the sacks are probably what won them that game with field position but then Chandler Worthy gets some of that field position back but you're right that it's gonna be this weird world between the teams in the east and really a battle for just top two because the way it's looking is it's gonna be crossover right yeah. um but yeah it's gonna be a weird world of who pulls it out somehow can you imagine that maybe vernon abs jr was put into the game against ottawa last thursday night to run a running play to showcase that he could be a running quarterback because edmonton wants him because they think he could help them win a crossover playoff game in i don't know montreal <laughs> now why would they do that the puzzle pieces. Why would they do that? <laughs> Come in together. That's the, that's the daily news. Thanks for listening, everybody.